Well, good morning to all of you. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This past Wednesday marked the beginning of a new season in the church called Lent. Lent lasts for 40 days, beginning with Ash Wednesday, and takes us up to Easter Sunday, when the Easter season begins. The 40 days of Lent correspond with the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. And this morning, we look back at those 40 days that Jesus spent with Satan in the wilderness. So let us then look at our text for this morning from Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. Will you please stand as we read from the gospel this morning? We read in our Savior's name. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Thus ends the reading of the gospel to us. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to once again gather together as you have gathered us together to hear from you and your word. Father, we pray that you would open our eyes, that you would open our ears, that we might grow in the wisdom and knowledge of who you are and what you have done for us in Christ Jesus. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Please be seated. You know, as Pastor Adam began his text or his sermon last week, I couldn't help but chuckle. He was talking about a mountaintop experience. And I was I chuckled because well that was the way that I was going to start my sermon the next week. But it's great to see how God puts things together. And so, I have a question for you as we talk about mountaintop experiences. Have you had one before? You know, maybe you went to a retreat. Now, whether it was a, re a lead retreat or a women's or men's retreat or youth retreat. Or it could have been a Bible camp where there is Bible teaching every morning and a worship service every evening. Or maybe it was at a worship service here at Maple Park. You were glad that you were here or there. You could not have seen God any clearer at that event. 
And you thought to yourself, well, only if I could stay there forever. We, wouldn't we would like that, wouldn't we? But then, what happens? We have to leave. You have to go back home. And then you had to go back to work, just wishing that you could have just stayed on that mountaintop just a little bit longer. So what happens when you leave that mountaintop experience? You start going down the mountain. And maybe you're able to stop and reflect on your time that you had on the mountain, and maybe that's as far as you go before you climb back up on the next mountaintop. But most of the time, it doesn't happen that way, does it? It leads to a valley. We experience heartache, disappointment, fear. And what is it that we experience the most? Temptation. We are tempted to do what is necessary to get out of the valley that we're in and to reach up to the mountaintop once more. We want to feel what we felt when we were on that mountaintop. Well, in our text, Jesus had a mountaintop experience at the start of his ministry. He was baptized in the Jordan River by his cousin John. And as he was walking out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And then God, the Father, spoke to him and he said, You are my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. What an experience that Jesus must have had at the time. And at the same time, he knew that this was the beginning of his ministry and where it would lead to the cross. And then after that mountaintop experience, Jesus climbs down from his mountaintop experience and is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus was brought into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan the devil. Well, you might ask the question, well, how can God be tempted? God cannot be tempted. Evil cannot be anywhere near him. But Jesus was both God and man and was tempted in every way that we are. We learn from the other Gospels that one temptation that Jesus was tempted with by Satan was with food. And Jesus was in the desert or the wilderness, and he is hungry. You know, when I get hungry, I start complaining. I grumble. I knock people over to get food. No, not literally. You don't see scratches on Abby or Hannah or Alyssa. But Jesus was hungry. He had not eaten in so long. He was in the, the desert, the wilderness, for 40 days. And it wasn't like that there was a burger joint around the corner. Or there wasn't somebody there to make him an omelet. There was Jesus, 
the devil, and some wild animals. In all, Jesus was tempted with some basic needs and also getting some easy way outs for Jesus in fulfilling the purpose for which he came to earth, which was to save people from their sins by dying on a cross. But Jesus was also God. When he was tempted, Jesus overcame temptation. He overcame Satan and the deception that Satan brought. Jesus was perfect in every way. He was without sin. Could that be said of us as well? When we come off the mountain and enter the valley or even our normal work week, can we say that we have been perfect in every way? Can we say that when we were tempted by something that we desired for ourselves or have been given an easier way out, that we had not fallen into temptation? When we were given, uh, when we were in school and given the opportunity to, to copy somebody's homework, instead of doing it ourselves, or cheating on a test rather than taking the time to actually study for it? What did we do? Have we cut in line at the grocery store to save an extra two minutes? Or how about laying into our horn when somebody cuts us off in traffic? Or maybe we agree to do something that is less than what God desired for us or from us. The problem is that we have all fallen short of being perfect. We've all have done something wrong in our lives. We have missed the mark and acted contrary to God's will for our lives. You know, when we do something Anything contrary to God's will for us, it's like wearing a new shirt for the first time at dinner. And at dinner, what is on the table? Cranberry sauce and mustard. And as you sit down to eat, the last thing that is said to you before you begin to eat by your spouse or your parents or your, any family member that might actually be there, Whatever you do, do not spill it. Do not spill the cranberry sauce or the mustard on your shirt. And in spite of them giving you this warning, as we might say, you all know what happened. The cranberry sauce fell off your fork and right onto your shirt. And you might be able to, to attempt to clean up. But what happens? The little spill on the shirt becomes something greater. Because you know, you try to rub your clothes together and it just becomes this big mess. This little spill on the shirt becomes something greater and now half of your shirt is now red. 
It's almost as if you need to spill mustard on the other side of your shirt so that you can say that your shirt is now multicolored. Unfortunately, the spill on your shirt, because of the spill on your shirt, your shirt is now ruined and can never be worn again. When we sing against God, when we do something contrary to his will, we spill something on our relationship with him. It may not be clearly seen by others as much as the multicolored shirt would be, but God sees the stain. God sees that stain. And we try to clean up our mess. We try to clean it up all by ourselves. We try to fix what we did wrong, but what happens? It's like our shirt. It becomes so much of a bigger mess. And what is the result? Well, it might lead to comp uh, temporary relief as we go to some aggravation or frustration. We let go of it. But it also leads to a long time of suffering. The Bible tells us for the wages of sin, the payment of our penalty, of our wrongdoings, is death. Not just from the world, not from everyday problems, but for eternity. And we all have fallen short of being perfect. We have all done something wrong in our lives. And because of that, we deserve death both in this world and for eternity, which would separate us from God forever. We all deserve judgment. We all deserve to receive God's wrath. But there is good news. God made him who knew no sin, who was perfect in every way to become, to become sin for us so that we would become the righteousness of God. What does that mean? God sent Jesus, the one who had never sinned, had never done anything wrong against God, and placed the sins of the world upon Jesus and then had him die on a cross. Jesus would take away the sins of the world. God took the spill of our sins that we created and he cleaned up that mess for us. God took that stain that we left by our sins and he made it as if we had never sinned. Your sins, my sins were taken away so that when God looks at us, he does not see our sins. He does not see our faults or our wrongs, but he sees the blood of Jesus covering our sins. So that when God looks at us, he sees 
the blood of Jesus. And because he sees the blood of Jesus, we are found right with God. There's a song that I learned a little while ago that kind of goes like this. I had a debt I could not pay. He paid the debt that he did not owe. I needed someone to wash away my sins. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace, all day long. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. He paid that debt at Calvary. He cleansed my soul and set me free. I'm glad that Jesus did all my sins erase. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. One day he's coming back for me to live with him eternally. Won't it be glory to see him on that day? Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. And now the Spirit stirs in our hearts and causes us to believe or to continue to believe in Jesus and what he has done for us. That what he did for us by dying on the cross for us was enough for us to be found right with God. And now we are able to live with him forever. And he calls on us to turn back from our sins and to turn back towards him. In verses 14 and 15, we read, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Believe in Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished for you. And now when God looks at you, who are found in relation, a relationship with him, who are found to be righteous in him, the words he spoke to Jesus at his baptism, he also speaks to you. You are my child whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. And this is not on the basis of who you are or what you have done, but it's all because of Jesus, of who he is, and what he has done for you. Praise be to God, who has given us life through his Son, Jesus Christ, in him we have life, and have life forever with him. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth. Father, we thank you that we can come to you with our mess. We can come to you with our sin. And you make us clean. You have cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And you made us right with you. And Father, we pray that you would stir in the hearts of those who that, that do not believe, that they might come to see you as who you truly are, the Savior of the world. 
that you are a God of love who loves the world, that you were willing to give the most blessed sacrifice, that you sent your son into this world, that those who believe will not suffer the consequences of their wrongdoings, but will be able to live forever with you. So, Father, we pray that you would continue to awaken our hearts to see you, to see ourselves and our need for you. So, Father, we thank you for your word and the truth that you have brought us today. We pray these things in the wonderful name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns forever with you. Amen.